about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Brand new Wrestling Basement Podcast episode here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. As always, I'm joined by Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report and fan-sided Daily DDT, who's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy, brother. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, for those who are a fan of watching podcasts on video, you can find the full video on the Cruise Control Podcast Network on YouTube. Uh, fan of audio, you can find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's right there. Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. So, Graham, uh, this is the season finale of this podcast for now so trust me we'll, we'll be we'll come back in like two or three weeks uh, <laughs> uh, we got this going on we got two out of three falls coming back uh more consistently every week uh i'll do my best to do that um but i think you do you do a great work for both bleacher report and fan sided been busy recently in uh, interviewing just about everybody you can. Is anybody, <laughs> anybody new coming up next, you know, in the next couple of weeks, who you got? So as as soon as we're done with this show, this will probably be up because this is going up on Tuesday, right? Mm, yeah. So by the time this goes up, my interview will have already gone up on Daily DDT, but I had the chance last week to talk to Tennille Dashwood, the former Emma from WWE, okay. who's now with Impact Wrestling. Uh, she just came back recently, had the chance to talk to her. So that interview will have already gone up I think today, as of Monday, as we're speaking. Right. Um, so by the time this goes up, that should have already been up. That's the only one that I have on the docket so far. There might be more to come. I could find out in a couple hours as soon as we're done here. I have no idea. But that went up, or yeah, that's going up on Monday. And then last week, I had the chance to talk to Mickey James, where she revealed that Melina was, uh, that she wanted Melina to come back to the company. Right. And sure enough, we found out over the past week. Um, rumors are that she might be coming back to WWE. So you never know what you might get with one of my interviews, which is why people should check them out well, on Bleach that. Report and Daily DDT. Look at What'd that. What'd you say? I said, look at that. So Melina came back because she heard you and, and, and Mickey James. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We got the scoop. Um, so I figured for the finale, um, and it'll, it'll all make sense in a second. So we never spoke about the awesome McMahon rivalry. Um and the reason why we're bringing it up today, so tomorrow, so right now we're taping this on the, on the 21st. Tomorrow would make, wow, the 23rd anniversary of Stone Cold Stunning McMahon for the first time ever on Monday Night Raw at the Garden. Um, I was there at, at, at that Raw. Um, I was, what, 13, 14 years old, big Stone Cold fan. Not really like knowing the ins and outs of, you know, the business and kayfabe and who's really hurt, who's not. Sure. So I knew at the time, and, and we'll backtrack in a second, but I knew at the time Stone Cold was out. 
mm-hmm. um, with the injury uh, at the hands of Owen Hart at SummerSlam. But then, as a kid, you're thinking, like, maybe is he really hurt? Is he not? I haven't seen Stone Cold wrestle in a long time. But he was always on TV every week just raising hell. And then we get to the Garden moment with, with McMahon. All hell breaks loose. And it just kicks off, uh, to me, the biggest rivalry in the company's history. Uh, obviously, you weren't around at that time, Graham. <laughs> I was two and a half years old, two barely. Two and a half years so. old. Yeah. This happens, but I know when you get older and you get to a time, and I start with you here. When you hear in a, a, a rivalry like McMahon and Austin, but you want to find out where it started from and how it started, and when you see that episode of Raw for the first time with Stone Cold Stones McMahon, what is going through your mind then, and what? How do you view that 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 night now? Well, I think for newer fans that weren't able to experience it as it aired firsthand, you know, 23 years ago, um, I think that they show that moment a lot on Raw and in Raw's history. It's such an unforgettable, monumental moment. So for fans like me that weren't there to see it, you know, when it first happened, whether it be on TV or in person, such as yourself, Randy, I feel like they've played it enough in the annals of Raw's history where a lot of people can trace back that Stone Cold McMahon rivalry to that moment right. from 23 years ago from the uh, 22nd of, of September this year. Um, it, it, it's such a great moment. It's highly regarded as one of the greatest Raw moments ever for what came out of it from that point forward. Mm-hmm. And it had just been one moment of Stone Cold stunning, you know, Mr. McMahon on live TV, Vince McMahon, the commentator, it probably still would have been a cool moment, but I don't know if it would be remembered or regarded as highly as it is today. I think obviously what made that moment so monumental, so historic, so great was the fact that the two of them feuded from that point forward, not immediately afterward, Mm -hmm. but you go forward, you know, years and they're still feuding up until 2001 until they finally bury the hatchet and they, you know, join forces at WrestleMania 17. Cause you got to remember too, to put this thing in context, Vince McMahon, stunning Vince. It's not like he was the evil dictator authority figure that he ended up becoming. Right. This was September. This was pre-Montreal Screwjob. So this was before people really started to hate Vince, uh, before he became a regular on the show as an authority figure, as the head of WWE. Obviously, he was already running WWE at this point. Yeah. That wasn't as prevalent. Not as many people knew that. Um, he was solely a commentator from an on-air standpoint at this point. So that's as if... Like when Brock Lesnar, and it's still a great moment, when Brock Lesnar F5'd Michael Cole about five years ago on Raw, great moment. But it's not like they went on to feud or Michael Cole became the you know COO of WWE or some dumb shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince was just kind of in the way because it was on this Raw. I remember watching it, obviously, not when it first happened, but like years later when I first got into wrestling and whatnot. But I actually just recently rewatched this moment on a WWE show called Timeline. It's on their network where they kind of revisit feuds from years ago. Right. Um, they explored, you know, recent feuds like John Cena and AJ Styles, Christian and Randy Orton. Mm. But they've also gotten into Ric Flair and Randy Savage. They've gotten into Bret Hart and Owen Hart. And one of the feuds or one of the episodes focused on the early rise of The Rock from 1997. And this was right after, or this was smack dab in the middle of the Rock Stone Cold feud over the Intercontinental Championship, not the WWE Championship. Right. And as you mentioned, Stone Cold, um, I mean, obviously Stone Cold was out hurt. He got hurt at SummerSlam and whatever. And this was back when Rock wanted the championship and whatever. I forgot exactly what happened, but they explored this moment on that timeline. And the moment, the segment itself was more so about Rock and Stone Cold, but it became about Stone Cold and McMahon because of what came out of it. So again, it's a very prevalent moment. Even newer fans, I don't I don't want to say fans that are getting into it today that are young probably haven't seen it, but I feel like I've seen it enough on Raw, replayed enough on Raw, or if you told me, had I not even just done my research, had you asked me where did the feud start, I could probably trace it back to that one moment. I think what's, what's important is the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that Stone Cold was indeed legit hurt Yes, uh, back yep. at SummerSlam to a point where you're talking like Stone Cold is done for his career. Like Owen Hart really did that uh, reverse inverted power driver and Stone Cold was there laying on the map just chilling like, oh, shit, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And they did the bullshit roll up, and Stone Cold wins the IC title. He was able to, you know, stand up and everything, but you you just knew something happened that wasn't supposed to happen. 
But when you see him on live TV, just just there and, and doing promos and whatever, that 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 blurred the lines of whether he legit got hurt or not. So, one, I was happy to see Stone Cold, you know, recover from that. Because uh, listen, if if that don't happen, then everything we're talking about does not happen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Stone Cold was, and the company was very lucky that he wasn't as hurt at the time. I think later on it it kind of messed him up. That's why he retired early back in '03. Um, but I mean Stone Cold that time, Graham, he was in the he was in the intercontinental kind of realm, um, feuding with the Hart Foundation for over a year. Yeah. No, no Vince in sight at the time. They were really going with Taker and Shawn Michaels as the main event scenes, and um, by the time you get to like September, Stone Cold is like he, he wants to come back, but again, Vince doesn't want to let him come back. Again, the storyline mm-hmm. that's how they played it out, and to see Vince as a commentator, to be involved as now as a character on live TV, not just interviewing people. And I said, now you, now you, now you're really in engulfed in a story was so weird, but it's also so cool because you did not see that. Now on you, when you flip the channel to, to nitro, you saw Bischoff involved with the, with the whole NWO storyline. So maybe he saw a little bit of that and said, I got to be involved somehow, some way. My question to you is my question is the fact that did, did Stone Cold at that time need McMahon to propel to a higher level, or do you feel like McMahon said, in order for Stone Cold to get to that level, I gotta be involved and take a step forward and be on live TV every every single night? That's a great question. I feel like it's a little bit of both because it's not like Stone Cold was a nobody mid Carter before the McMahon feud, mm-hmm. and as we've talked about many, 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 many different times on different podcasts and whatnot, the Bret Hart and Stone Cold feud was really what elevated Stone Cold. Um, the initial King of the Ring promo, of course, but mm-hmm. what I mean, it was just a great promo. But had nothing ever come of it, and had he just gone on to win a couple of Intercontinental titles and nothing happened, we we would not be talking about, oh, Austin 316, blah, blah, blah. It was because of the Bret Hart feud that he became a star um, in the latter half of 1996, early 97, that amazing WrestleMania 13 match. Again, as we've discussed, ad nauseum before in the past. But the McMahon feud, would Austin have become as much of a star as he was I'm going to say no, because I think The Rock really brought the best out of Stone Cold as a wrestler and on the mic and stuff like that. Or actually, really in the ring and on the mic, but I think McMahon really brought the best out of Austin out of Austin as a talker. And I, I think Austin, we all know him to be this anti-rebellious, or I'm sorry, rebellious anti-authority babyface, this badass babyface, this tweener-esque character that really didn't give a shit about anyone except himself, but we cheered him because he was awesome, and we hadn't really seen anything like that in WWE before, where people rebelled against the authority, and it was also a product of the times as well with what was going on in the late 90s, and that it was just that era of uh, the whole anti-authority attitude, no pun intended with it being the attitude era. Yeah. Um, so that's really why it worked, and I don't know if we don't have that McMahon feud and that whole anti-authority thing, Again, he still would have been a big star. Like Triple H, for example, was a big star. Um, but he never had that one... I don't think Triple H ever really had that one defining feud. Maybe with The Rock. Maybe. He did. I mean, it was a great feud. But I mean, who's going to say Rock and Triple H was better than Austin and McMahon? I think... Nobody. It was. You know, It's the greatest feud in WWE history. And that's what I remember most about Stone Cold. Yeah, the matches with The Rock are amazing. They made for some really great matches, moments, whatever. He still would have been a big star. Mm-hmm. But what made Austin that anti-authority, rebellious babyface was the feud with Nick Mann and really solidifying him as a badass that didn't, give it, didn't really give a shit about anyone. All the kids, you said you were, what, 12, 13 years old at the time when that yeah. happened in 97? Mm-hmm. So people your age, older, that teenage age, see Austin and are like, wow, I want to be like him. I want to rebel against my the, my boss or my teacher or parents or whatever. That was just the attitude at the time. And he perfected that to a T. And without that, I'm not saying the attitude era would have failed. I think it was already well on its way to becoming what it was. But that McMahon feud defined that time period. And 
and in my opinion, and many other people's opinions, still is the greatest view to this day. So, yeah, the whole McMahon-Eric Bischoff thing, I haven't really thought about that too much. That's actually a great comparison. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've heard that before. I just That sounds new to me as you're saying it right now. Um, that That is a very... It's a very good observation. I'm sure they did have something to do with it. McMahon sees he, he's not stupid. I'm not saying that he's sitting there watching Nitro, but he has people watch the shows for him, even to this day with AEW. And he likes to take things that he likes and kind of make it his own or whatever. Um, and that was one of them. Bischoff was already a full-fledged character on Nitro by this point in time in WWE. Right. So seeing Bischoff do it and see it be somewhat successful and then take the basis of that and then do it better. I'm sure it was part of the inspiration. I'm sure it wasn't an original idea just to make McMahon like this on air authority figure, but also part of it too was from the Montreal screw job, I would assume. Right. And the heat and the backlash they got from that and people fucking hated events coming out of that pay-per-view survivor series 97. So I think that coupled with the seeing what Bischoff was doing, knowing it could work, then that was part of the reason why he became an on-air character. But I think it's a variety of different things that made that feud and made those characters work as well as they did. And you know what? Maybe Vince was in the back and was like, listen, man, I, I feel like I should be on TV doing something, but it's just a matter of what's going to make me go out there and, and do it. So to be fair, we we did see McMahon get involved in these little altercations with, uh, with Brett early on in the year. Yes. So mm-hmm. when... In that steel cage match, Brett is upset. He pushes Vince out, but it wasn't like they had a they had a wrestling match or a big feud after that. And then, like in July, I think Brett got upset that Sean was going to be a referee at, at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. and you know Vince grabs Bret Hart's uh, shirt, and they get the, the, the scuffle on the yeah. sidelines on, on, on the table. So you you started to see. Little bits and pieces of McMahon like itching. He's itching mm-hmm. to like now. Now you know who he is. You know he's a commentator, but he runs the company, so it's under his watch. But I feel like that night at the Garden. Listen, it's the Garden. It's Raw. It's Stone Cold. Possibly the the, the biggest name you have on the roster at that time. And just to give you a, a side note, you probably know it because you're Graham. Um, <laughs> the same night that Stone Cold stuns McMahon. You know who debuts on Night Show that same night? Was that the, oh man, September of 97. The same night, September 22nd, 97, Stone Cold stuns McMahon, but on Nitro, this guy debuts. Was that the Goldberg debut or no? Yes. It was the Goldberg debut. Yes. Okay. I, I think I honestly, I think he outstumped me there. I mean, I obviously I, figured it out, but I don't, I don't, if you asked me, what happened on that same night? I probably would have said something that happened on Raw. I forgot that it was that same night that Goldberg <laughs> debuted. So interesting. I mean, People I, always talk about the stunner, so I kind of forget about Goldberg. I mean, I forgot who Goldberg beat. <laughs> but I know well, it was Hugh Morris. I know that. Oh, it was Hugh Morris. Oh. It was Hugh Morris, yeah. And look at that. You get the Stone Cold guy on one channel. You get the, the, the Stone Cold lookalike on this channel. It's the war and everything. So it just, um, I do, I do not, not saying I knew that that night but then when you read up and research oh shit Goldberg did debut on, on the same night um, mm-hmm. but you mentioned earlier the fact that you know when you mention attitude error to anybody they're gonna say oh is, is, is it the 316 speech or it's the Montreal school job or it's, 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 it's the Stone Cold Stunts McMahon I mean there's gonna be many answers to, to this question but if you have to feel like the most historic night in the company's history and like the true beginning of the Attitude Era. Are we are we sitting here saying that Stone Cold Stunned McMahon that night at the Garden was like the official, official start to the Attitude Era? Yeah, I like the way you phrase that when you say official, official. That's right. Because I, I've said before, and I think we discussed this a couple of months ago, I think the seeds were planted. I don't think it was official, official. But when the Bret Hart heel turn happened, as you mentioned, that exact, you, you mentioned it in perfect depth or earlier detail mm-hmm. about the steel cage match. Right. When you cut that promo on the anti-America promo, blah, blah, blah. That's when I would say it started. I mean, you could go all the way back to 1996, I mean, people do sometimes with like the Psycho Sid WWE title when it's Survivor Series. They were already kind of cheering the bad guys were the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that was happening back then. I mean, you can go back to Austin 316 people. I don't I don't know if I would go back that far personally. Right. 
I don't know if this was the official official thing. I think the official start of the attitude era, which again, it's so subjective. I would say though, when McMahon had ushered in essentially attitude era on raw with that pre-tape promo, when he's like, Oh, all the good guy versus bad guy is passe, blah, blah, blah. I would say is that I, I would say that was the official official beginning. Cause he's literally saying this is a new era. Like this is it. What we've been doing recently is kind of a taste of what's to come. That was December, I'm pretty sure. Um, I would say that, though, as the official start of the Attitude Era. If not that, then I would take this as a second answer because this is when the feud really started. Although they weren't feuding every week after this. It's not like, oh, time for Austin and McMahon to have their segment every week. Mm. It was the first segment of many, but their feud really wouldn't start full-fledged until, like, early 98 going into WrestleMania. So I would say the McMahon promo, but if you said this, I wouldn't argue with you. I mean, look, that whole 97, you get to your, what you mentioned, the whole McMahon promo on uh, the passe, passe stuff. I'm like, at that point, McMahon is like, I'm tired of this shit. People punching me in the face backstage. (laughs) I don't blame the guy. Oh, stunning me. I'm getting pushed in the ring. I'm I'm getting flipped off by the commentating table. I I had enough of this shit. I got yeah. people spitting on me. You know what? <laughs> At that point, it's like, you know, then the whole Mr. McMahon character comes into form later on. But it's like, I mean, we can mention that that rivalry is, is great. But then, like, on the flip side, I, I know he's, he, he's not a wrestler. But as a heel, as a heel TV character, mm-hmm. how big, how monumental was Mr. McMahon to not only Stone Cold the character, but also to the company to be to be on the limelight every Raw, SmackDown, whatever. It felt like there was a dictator to the show, and Stone Cold was the anti-dictator. So, how important was Mr. McMahon the character to all of this? Huge. I mean, again, like I said, I think without McMahon, you don't have Stone Cold, or at least the version that we know and remember from that time period. Every good guy is only as good as their foil is only as good as the villain. Right. Like Superman, Batman are so great because they have equally great villains to kind of match them. If you have a great superhero with no real villains, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of the characters now aren't as over as they should be. Because we have a lot of great baby faces. We don't have a lot of... There's good heels that aren't just booked well. I mean, that's a whole other discussion for a different day. But I think there's no one defining rivalry now in 2020. No. Like... like, For example, John Moxley going over to AEW has been a great world champion. Has he had that one defining heel challenger? The answer is no. I think the closest might have been MJF and he had a good feud, but he never felt like, oh, we're going to be the, I I don't want to say they're going to be the rock and Austin of the company because that's not fair to anybody, nor is it accurate. Mm -hmm. But I I, need stuff like that. We need like a, a feud that can really carry that company into the future. Right. Um, like a, like a de- the definition of a baby face and a heel going at it. I just watched Timeline yesterday. Mm. Um, not Timeline. There was an episode of WWE Untold on the network focusing on Edge versus John Cena from 06. Nice. Another amazing feud. And Edge brought up how he wanted to make, he wanted to be the Roddy Piper to John Cena's Hulk Hogan. And he did that by being the absolute best deal that he could be. And John Cena, while he was booed more often than not and still is to this day, succeeded in being that ultimate babyface by portraying that character as well as he could. Mm. And I think to kind of go back to this, this was a different dynamic. Austin wasn't all goody two-shoes like Cena is, no. but he was the rebellious babyface mm-hmm. and McMahon was the dictator authority figure. And it just worked. It's so simple, but it worked so well. And without McMahon, again, I don't think we get the best of Steve Austin in WWE. I don't think WWE is as hot as it is without, uh, you know, without this feud. I mean, with Austin, I still think it would have been, it would have been a hot period for WWE, but not as big as it could have been this one feud. And as great as rock is, McMahon is Austin's greatest rival because of what came out of it. The promos that came out of it, the moments, I feel like I remember more moments with Austin and Vince than I do with Rock and Austin. Mm-hmm. I remember more matches with Austin and Rock, obviously, because Rock's the wrestler. But in terms of moments and turning points and stuff like that, definitely Austin and McMahon. So, yeah, they, they needed each other. They really did. Austin needed him. And McMahon, as both a promoter and as a character, needed right. Austin. Because without Austin, the McMahon character 
would have essentially been what the fucking authority was, just a heel authority figure thing with no real baby faces to rival them. Right. And they would have an occasional one like a John Cena or a Dolph or someone like that. And then they would get fucking beat because that's what happened with the authority figures back, you know, with the authority and, and the baby faces at that point. McMahon would usually get his comeuppance, would almost always get his comeuppance. They gave him a fucking WWE title win at one point. He was the Royal Rumble winner. He won matches, but at the end of the day, he almost always got his ass beat mm-hmm. by Steve Austin. And that's why Steve Austin ended up getting over as well as he did. I wonder, I mean, this could be a question if, if you want to answer it, but I, I really wonder like, if you could go back into that, into that room in that time frame, I wonder if the idea of this whole Mr. McMahon, you got to be on TV character idea came up from Vince. Did someone backstage say hey Vince I think you have to do this to like Stone Cold say Vince I think you need to be the the bad guy for me like I wonder how the idea came up because again a lot of ideas are thrown at Vince and he says mm-hmm. you know that works that doesn't work but I wonder if this idea came from Vince or other people told him this is what you got to do now I'm sure that's been made public knowledge by this point, whether it be by Vince himself, because I know we did the Austin podcast actually, and they discussed their feud in great depth. And that was six years ago. If you can remember that, if you can, if you could believe that, um, I don't know if McMahon said on that show, Oh, it was my idea to do this. I think really, honestly, they were just kind of running with the Montreal screw job thing. Cause I think the Austin McMahon feud and the Montreal screw job really just kind of go hand in hand. I don't think we would see McMahon become this e- evil authority figure had it not been for the Brett stuff. So really, Brett is the thing for a lot of us mm-hmm. and for what happened with the Montreal screw job. I mean, it wasn't really Brett's doing. It was more so Vince um, inadvertently. It's not like, oh, let's fuck over Brett Hart and I'll become an authority figure. Right. It was all organic, which I think is why it works so well. It's not like we had, oh, here's your evil authority figure. Like We've seen that so many fucking times over the last number of years, and it just never works. People already hated Vince. And again, it would have been no different than Michael Cole. He's gotten his ass handed to him a number of times over the years, but he never translated into this major character because it wasn't, he didn't need to, because it wouldn't have been organic. Vince was already running the company. He already had a lot of backlash. Let's make the most out of that and translate that heat to someone like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I, I am curious whose idea that would have been. I would assume Vince just kind of capitalizing off what happened to the Montreal screw job. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there was someone in his ear, like a Pat Patterson or someone like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Vince Russo was there at that point. Yeah, right. he was. Um, I don't like to give him a lot of credit, but I don't, I don't think, I feel like if it was Vince Russo's idea, he would have taken credit for it by now. He takes credit for practically everything. I don't know if he's ever taken credit for that, but regardless, I feel like someone would have said by now, Hey, it was so-and-so idea that kind of, you know, was the catalyst for the McMahon-Austin feud. But I, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. And if it hasn't been made clear, I would love to know from Vince himself. But the guy would be such an unreliable source just because I feel like they fabricate. he would fabricate a lot of shit that I don't even know if he would give a straight answer. But it's possible. But, yeah, it was a great idea, though, that turned into a lot of uh, – uh, turned into gold for WWE and, and gave them their biggest boom up to that point. And I think what's weird is that, you know, Stone Cold, Stone Cold does that in September – and we're still two months away from him getting back at the ring. So it's not like he came back on Raw the final week, started wrestling or whatever. Like I think that was kind of put on, if I can recall, I think that was kind of put on hold because they did they did the whole, you know, Stone Cold is arrested, going to jail thing, which made yeah. which was escalated it like, oh shit, Stone Cold got arrested. Oh wow. Although we know he got sent to the back, he just chilled in in the fucking locker room. But, uh, <laughs> I think just seeing that, seeing the security, Stone Cold on him, McMahon takes the worst Stone Cold stunners ever. I think he does. I, I I I never seen one McMahon stunner like man, that was pretty good. He took that pretty well. That one time and that that first one was terrible. But I, I don't think I've ever seen Vince sell a move that was actually good. Let's put it that way. I, I, I think I think he overdoes it. Well, I oh, he does. I know he he does. always overdoes. That's just who he is. So it's like, man, he stuns him, but it wasn't that clean. But yeah. I don't care. Stone Cold's in his face. He gets arrested. And just just that from, from that point on, it's like, all right, we're, we're off and running. So Stone Cold, I think, doesn't even get in the ring until Survivor Series against mm-hmm. um, Owen Hart for the IC title. So stuns him in, in September, back in the ring in November becomes IC champion and I still think McMahon is not really 
down his throat trying to make him not champion. I think he's, he's not yet. Not no, yet, not yet. So then he does. I'm gonna fast forward here. So Stone Cold IC champ. I think he does. He get hurt again. I know he has to relinquish the belt to the Rock. Some shit like that. Yeah. Again, they they covered it in that Rock Austin thing I watched. Oh, the Armageddon. So at Arm, not Armageddon. What was that December pay per view? It was like an in your house. Oh, in your house. Degeneration X. DX. He was the champion. Rock pretended like he was champion, even though he wasn't. Rock. Stone Cold beat him. <laughs> To retain the title, win it back, but he actually retained it. Mm-hmm. From there, I don't remember what happened. I thought Rock beat him for the championship because he went on to hold, do the whole Ken Shamrock thing going into WrestleMania. Yeah, that would have been 98, so I think. I, I think Stone Cold wins it from Owen Hart. And if I'm not mistaken, McMahon is like, yo, you know, you haven't defended the belt in such and such a long time. And you gotta give it up. I remember that uh, that raw, you know, with the whole beeper thing, and the Stone Cold throws the belt, you know, in the river and everything. Yeah. So he, so that's when McMahon is starting to get on Stone Cold's ass about stuff. And then you get into Royal Rumble, and Stone Cold wins that, and Stone Cold becomes champion. Now from then, from that point on, the night after WrestleMania 14 is when really shit picked up. Where he, you can see McMahon does not want Stone Cold as. The champion. He wants to wear uh, wear a suit. He wants to get uh, a brand new belt. Was debuted on that night. Um, I, you know, Raw said the Austin era has begun. Yeah, and we're off and running with full throttle, McMahon and Austin from what, what was that March of '98? And the shit don't really stop until when? Oh uh, one. Yeah, until WrestleMania 17. So, uh, I mean, yeah, technically it started on this day 23 years ago. Right. But it really doesn't become what it is until early of 98 for the next three years. And I don't think they ever really rekindled that rivalry after that. I mean, they've interacted over the years on WWE TV, mm-hmm. but it really ended at WrestleMania because after that, Stone Cold was gone from the company in mid-02, and they never really went back to the McMahon-Austin feud before that, before he left. Right. Um, so Stone Cold champion, I think what is also uh, significant, I know we mentioned the 22nd of... September 97, but what is significant for the company and for them, during this whole rating stuff, they kept losing every week for like two years in a row. Yep. Until one night in April where they promoted Stone Cold and McMahon in the main event. And I think that Mm -hmm. was uh, April of 98. So you're like, oh shit, I've been seeing everything about Stone Cold and McMahon. All right, they're going to go one-on-one. You have no idea what's going to happen. And again, I'm seeing this live, so I I turn Nitro off. I go right to Raw, and you see McMahon in the tight tank top, all built up with the whole, <laughs> the whole crew and everything. He wants Stone Cold to tie one hand behind his back and the the, the the stunner hand, and and then like, you know, do love fucks it up. <laughs> yeah, of course, the arm wrestling contest always get fucked up in WWE. But still, just promoting that Stone Cold McMahon in the main event of Raw made everyone mm-hmm. want to see that, and that, and that broke that broke the streak of. Nitro winning, so people did want to see Stone Cold and McMahon at least five minutes worth of wrestling. So that, that yeah. showed you that the the build up was uh, was was uh, pretty good. It was, yeah. No, again, this is what I mean. I I feel like the Austin McMahon feud was bigger than the Austin Rock feud because they had so many matches. That's why people remember that more. And it's an amazing feud. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. If 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 Austin and McMahon is the greatest feud of all time, then Rock and Stone Cold is probably one A. You know, it's it's right below it. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the feud going into WrestleMania was McMahon and and Austin. Not, I mean, it was still Austin and Rock, but it was more so McMahon because Rock became champion. That this is, I mean, actually, wait a second. I'm a, I'm an idiot. I'm such a moron. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm thinking he's facing Rock at that WrestleMania. He's not. He's facing uh, Shawn Michaels. Oh. I completely forgot about that. He faced Rock the following year right. in 99 at yeah. WrestleMania 15. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. God, I'm mixing up my years here. That's so much of an afterthought that That's I don't okay. remember anything about that Shawn Austin feud. I remember the match being very good at WrestleMania. Man, I don't remember anything about that feud at all, but except the McMahon and Austin stuff. So, yeah, it was a turning point. Without that feud, I don't know if Nitro would have lost the war anyway or it was only inevitable. It was probably inevitable with the way the company was going right. creatively and financially. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was, you know, it was still all about McMahon and Austin. And that was really the grand turning point for WWE was because of that feud. I know there's a, a plethora of other events that they were involved in. Um, you know, they had the whole, the bank 316 where he, uh, Vince, you know, pee on himself. You had the whole, um, them two in the hospital. That was, that was classic. Um, not with the bed, the dead, uh, yeah. Was it bedpan? The, yeah. Bedpan. Um, you know, the whole thing about the, you know, it was me, Austin, all along with the whole taker ministry stuff with Stephanie. Yep. That was pretty good. The Zamboni was always classic. Mm-hmm. The Corvette in the, the, the cement truck. Or uh, cement, as Jim Ross would say. <laughs> cement. Uh, the beer bath is always dope. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and WrestleMania 17, with them coming together. But to me, what two things stand out and you might disagree you might agree when they get to so obviously Stone Cold Champion uh, until September of 98 I think it was breakdown with Taker and Kane both pinned him so Stone Cold wasn't champion for, for a hot minute after breakdown so yeah. so so from September 98 to Wrestlemania uh, of 99 he was uh, the champion no more so but what was crazy is the is the Royal Rumble from 99 and mm-hmm. I think it, it, it's a Royal Rumble that, that, that gets a little overlooked I'm not saying it's the greatest Royal Rumble but when you have McMahon and Austin at 1 and 2 and they do their shit in the ring and then they go outside in the arena for like 40, 40 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. and then they come back and long story short Mr. McMahon wins the Royal Rumble and I, so Graham this is very important because if somehow, like today, if like a Triple H or Stephen McMahon or, or Shane or Mr. McMahon wins the Royal Rumble today, you and other people are like, get the fuck out of here. Come on. This is yep. bullshit. 100%. But back then, it made sense, storyline-wise. Nobody complained about McMahon winning the, the Rumble because they, they knew at some point, all right, McMahon, you ain't going to WrestleMania, all right? So they knew at some point he'll lose that that, that obligation. But from a storyline standpoint, you put that uh, rumble factor, Stone Cold, I think The Rock helps McMahon throw Stone Cold out. McMahon mm-hmm. is the rumble. So I know when you see it back now, are you like, man, I was like, how do I, why McMahon? Or like, wow, that was, that, was, that was put together really well. Oh, no, definitely the first one. I thought it was shit. <laughs> thought it was shit. I watch it back now. I think McMahon winning is shit, but I think the really? match itself just absolutely sucked. Mm-hmm. And just like that was when you had like the Bariquas in WWE, all these random ass factions. That's right. I mean, I don't have the list in front of me, but like you have all these random losers that you know aren't going to fucking win the thing. And listen, I say I say the same thing about some of the Rumbles today. Not recently. I thought this year's Rumble was awesome. But a couple of years ago, they would just have like fucking Jimmy and Jake. Like, why are the Usos in the Royal Rumble? We know they're not going to fucking win. I know you need some bodies to throw around and shit. Right. But like that match, I literally only remember Rock and McMahon. Be- or, uh, I'm sorry, Austin and McMahon being in it. I'm, obviously, there were some other people, 28 mm-hmm. other people. I don't remember a single person. Now, did it further the feud? Yes. Is it one of the worst booking decisions of all time? No. If I was making a list, and I know I have before, of the worst Rumble winners ever, I would put McMahon. Just because, first of all, the match was terrible. But it, I guess it's it's not like, oh, it was such a great match and it ended on such a sour note. Mm-hmm. The match was already bad anyway, in, at least in my opinion, in my opinion. With yeah. the Rumble, you know, it furthered the feud, like I said. I don't think people look back on it now and say, this was such a, this. it was one of the dumbest things they ever did. Because it's not like... You had 10 ready-made stars that should have won it. Like when Batista won it or when Roman, I mean, Roman was a newer guy, but people fucking hated that shit so much. Not just because they won. People like Batista. They like Roman for the most part. It's because the other person should have won. Daniel Bryan should have won or literally anyone else those two years in 2014, 2015. In 99, I wasn't watching the product back then, so I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was one person, obviously aside from Austin, but he was already a ready-made star. It's not like if this happened in 98 in, or uh, yeah, 98 or 97, then it'd be like, 
all right, this is fucking stupid. Like Austin really should have become a star by winning the Rumble, and he did. It would have been a complete waste. But in 99, there wasn't any other person, I don't think anyway, and again, I really had to go back and watch the shows where people were clamoring like, oh man, Draws has got to win the Rumble and become a star. Like, I don't think anyone was really saying that back then. If it wasn't Austin for the third consecutive time, it probably was just going to be McMahon. And you're right. Austin ended up getting the title shot. It's not like Austin lost and then he faded off into obscurity. They had a plan. That's the difference between today and, and you know, 23 years ago, 22 right. years ago, is that back then they had a plan. Now when they do that shit, it's just like they don't have... Dude, Daniel Bryan obviously went on to win a WrestleMania 30, but the year that he didn't win the next year when Roman Reigns won, he was in like the opening match at WrestleMania. They didn't have any fucking plans for him. With Austin, they had plans. He ended up beating McMahon in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view mm-hmm. the very next month in that crazy steel cage match, big show debuted, crazy moment. And I remember that because they had a fucking plan. And then they built to Austin winning the championship from Rock at WrestleMania, and it was a great moment. Um, so yeah, I think it's dumb but I'm not going to sit here and say one of the dumbest things they've ever done. Yeah, it's one of the worst rumbles and one of the worst rumble winners, but that's just because of who McMahon is because he just wasn't a great character. Today, it's a different story. Triple H actually did win the rumble a couple of years ago, and I wasn't a fan of that. Um, but that led to Roman winning at WrestleMania and whatever. So they still I didn't really make a new star out of that. That's, that's just a different mm-hmm. issue. But yeah, and no, I thought I, I'm not a fan of the match or the outcome or whatever. But it's not one of like the worst worst booking decisions they ever did because at least it led somewhere and no one was really damaged by it. So I I don't really mind it in retrospect. Um, listen, I, I liked it when I saw it live. Uh, that was okay. Funny. So because because I understood, like me, I'm not saying, oh come on, McMahon, why you win for you? You went the best wrestler out here. I know you're not. But from a storyline standpoint, I knew at some point they were they were they were gonna get the Stone Cold and the Rock. Did yeah. They, did they not want to have Stone Cold win threes in a row? Maybe. Maybe that's why that's, that's why they did what they did. To have Stone Cold win 97, 98, and 99 is like, all right, now now we're probably doing too much. Mm-hmm. At that time, you get other, you know, big time guys like like Taker who never won a rumble until 07. So um you get that. Uh then it leads up to 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 St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which is my my next and final point. You finally get McMahon and Stone Cold one-on-one steel cage match. Uh, the debut of Paul White, the big show, comes out. Uh, McMahon takes that bump off the cage. It's a crazy bump. Um, and I think I've read somewhere, or probably Stone Cold said it, that he did not know McMahon was going to do that. Which mm-hmm. That's why you saw Stone Cold's face was like, holy shit. Yeah. Now, again, I, I think I've, I've read and heard him say that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But... Just to even add that, McMahon, a 40, 50-year-old guy bouncing off the cage onto a table, which I don't think it broke. I think uh, like I that. thought it did, but I don't remember exactly. But I'm saying just just to do that, do that that move, just to add to the element, add to the story of what that rivalry was. It's like many say McMahon's McMahon won't do shit. He won't tell you to do something unless he does it himself. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say so too. Yeah. For him to do that, I know Stone Cold ain't doing that. Stone Cold ain't jumping off no no cage. I know that for a fact. McMahon's gonna do it. So that adds to the element of the of the whole massacre pay per view. I don't know what else happened on that show. I'm just, I'm not saying it's the best in your house. I'm just saying that, that that for the rivalry itself, that match is pretty pretty dope. And you get to WrestleMania, he beats The Rock, and is now a two time champion. So. And then they, they they go on and on and on and on, but I think those are the pillars of this rivalry from the night at the Garden, the Rumble '99. Um, I think he 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 stuns him at the WrestleMania 14, the night at the 14, and then the Massacre pay per view, and then they just do whatever they want after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. I'm I'm very happy you brought that up with McMahon. He's very giving. Mm-hmm. I think. There's a lot of people that are giving in WWE, Chris Jericho being one of them. Rock was always very giving, losing to a lot of people. McMahon was one of those people. Um, You know, obviously he has a WWE title reign, a Royal Rumble win, and an ECW title reign to his credit. When it came time for him to do business and lose to someone else, we can say whatever we want about him now as a booker and the creative direction, which the guy's out of his mind with some of the stuff they do every week. Mm -hmm. But 
not even as a wrestler, but as a performer, he would always, 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 and I can't remember a single instance where he didn't, get his comeuppance. Whether it was Stone Cold, whether it was Rock, whether it was Roman Reigns, John Cena, Triple H, literally everyone got their hands on Vince at some point. Exactly. Even some of the women have gone after Vince. So <laughs> you, don't, you don't see that same thing. Again, I, I'm, I'm comparing it to this because they try to recreate it with the authority. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that with the authority. Daniel Bryan got the better of Triple H maybe once or twice. Other than that, you never really saw him get beat up or whatever or get his comeuppance. Stephanie never got her comeuppance. She never gets her comeuppance, ever. Mm-hmm. She beat the fuck out of Brie Bell at SummerSlam one year. And yeah, she got, she actually got her comeuppance at WrestleMania a few years ago when Ronda Rousey broke her arm, which was nice. But it was so nice because we never see it. There has to be a balance. You can't have the baby face get the better of the heel or the authority figure every week because mm. that authority figure looks like a loser. They have no credibility. Right. They have to win eventually. They have to win at some point or get the better of the baby face. Mm. But the baby face should go over in the end, usually, depending on the story. And Austin always did. When it, Any story that ever involved Nick Mann he always lost. The guy's 0-4 at WrestleMania. He lost to Stone Cold, and not at WrestleMania, but he lost to Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, um, Shane McMahon. He lost to his own son. Right. And then what was the other WrestleMania match he was involved in? Oh. I knew he was 0-4. Um, did, God, he, I don't. Did, did he fight Flair? Um, no. Flair was at the Rumble, but he lost to him yeah. too. Right. Um, like a one-on-one McMahon. Yeah, not at WrestleMania. I'll have to look it up. But he's 0 4 WrestleMania. I know that for a fact. I know he lost to Sean. Oh, Hogan. He lost Hogan. To his, Hogan. Hogan. Hogan at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, that's yeah. another one. He lost to him, too. So, again, he doesn't need credibility because he's not a wrestler, but it made sense for him to lose. Like, Stephanie's not a wrestler, but she would, not that she would always win, but she would never get her ass in at the door. And it doesn't matter, like, female, male. To me, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm not saying a guy should be beating up Stephanie, but some of the women should be able to get their hands on her once in a while. Now it doesn't really matter because she's not really on the show. But that pissed me off during the authority thing where these guys were always just belittling the roster, and then the authority would always win. Mm -hmm. The McMahons would always win. Back then, though, the McMahons rarely ever won. So maybe that's why the Rumble win really isn't that big of a deal Mm -hmm. because Vince never really won anything, nor should he have because he's not a wrestler. (laughs) But he got the better of Austin for one night, but Austin got the better of him in the end. So it made perfect sense from a storyline standpoint. Uh, Two more before I let you go. So, I mean, obviously, I know you'd be very, very upset at the Rumble this year coming up and Stephanie wins that Rumble, right? You'd be very upset, right? Yeah, I probably, yeah, I I would probably (laughs) blow a gasket, yeah. I'd be pretty pissed. I thought I could have sworn, I was at the Rumble in Philly a couple of years ago when when Ronda Rousey debuted and Asuka won the thing. Yep. I thought we would get Stephanie in the Rumble. Not that she would win the thing, but I thought we would get her in the Rumble and I was prepared to be like, this is fucking dumb. Like, I don't even want to see this shit. And then Rousey would come out and beat her up. We didn't get that, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. We, we, we don't need that shit. That shit is... Just because, not only that, dude, we, we've seen it before. Right. If it's been done before multiple times and it, it worked with the Austin thing... Again, Triple H won a couple of years ago. So technically, they did do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with the women's rumble, like there's so many women now that could benefit. Back in 99, we didn't have a women's rumble. We didn't have a lot of like up-and-coming stars because a lot of the up-and-coming stars were already fucking stars. Triple mm-hmm. H was already a star. Mick Foley was already a star. He, right. he faced The Rock at that same pay-per-view in the I Quit match, one of the most brutal matches in WWE history. Right. Um, we didn't really need someone new to win it every year back then. Nowadays, they need new stars. So I think they need to have women and men win these things that could benefit, like a McIntyre and people like that. The Charlotte one was cool just because it was kind of a swerve this year. I, I didn't hate it. But the fact that she beat Rhea Ripley was incredibly dumb. But that's a different story for a different day. Right. Uh, do you have a personal favorite Austin McMahon kind of moment? Uh, I know I know. I mentioned mine with the, the massacre and the rumble, and I mentioned all the Zamboni, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. is there a favorite moment you have between those two guys? I'm going to give a pretty basic answer here and probably just say the beer bash, um, the beer bath, bash, whatever. I, I just It's just an amazing visual. It's a great moment. Not only one that I thoroughly enjoy, but one that I could probably show to any non-fan and they would find it funny, entertaining, whatever. It just... Right. We don't see it often enough, and nor should we, because they shouldn't. They, they did it again with Kurt, and that was funny. I think they did it a, a while later with someone else. Um, I don't remember. I feel like they tried it with like Eddie or something with poop, and that was just fucking gross. Um, with Big Show or something on SmackDown. But now the beer bath was great. 
And uh, that's probably my favorite. Any of the ones that you mentioned are also fun. Um, I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of, but that's the first one that comes to mind that I enjoyed the most. I know Stone Cold has said that although his character needed a, a jump back in 01, he felt stale. And the idea of going with McMahon was you know, put on the table. And when you, when you go back at it almost 20 years ago, maybe I think he said he kind of regrets doing that or how it went down or how it was laid out. Um, one, were you a fan of that um, when you when you saw it? And two, how would you, if I said Graham, you had you you had the you you had the book, mm-hmm. you got to have Austin and McMahon come together and be on the same side. Would you have done it the same way they did it at WrestleMania 17, or somewhat different? I would have done it differently. Um, I think everyone would have done it differently. I don't know many people that would say, "Oh, that was such a great ending." It was. It was exactly what needed to happen. I don't think anyone involved in that situation, let alone fans, think that was the best booking decision at all. And you're absolutely right. So I know Austin has said that before. He's gone on record. I read Jim Ross's latest book, most of it, and it's a great book. It's called Under the Black Hat, to give him a cheap plug. And he talks about that in great length, about the Austin heel turn. He's so close with Steve, so that's why it's a big part of the book. He thought it was stupid. Going into it, he thought it was dumb. Not just coming out of it. It's not like, oh, it's going to be a great idea, and then it flops. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, if that's one of those things and it just doesn't work, I get it. This was something that people already had reservations about going into it, thinking, I don't know, Steve. There's a lot left for you to prove as a baby face. Steve, I guess, saw his star dwindling in WWE. He's like, there's really not much more for me to do. Where do we go after this? Blah, blah, blah. I want to switch it up creatively, um, which I understand. But he has said to this day that what he wishes he did instead was the exact same angle, but afterward, he just turns on Vince. And he stuns Vince and have that be it. That could have worked. I don't, I don't even think heel Austin would have been a bad idea. I think pairing him with Vince, while it's the exact opposite, like for example, Roman pairing with Heyman after all these years of them feuding, that's exciting to me. That's interesting because no one... The thing is, is that with Austin and McMahon, no one ever wanted to see them align with each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with the Hardy Boys. No one ever really wanted to see them feud. They were always better together than they were apart against each other. Um, same thing with Austin and McMahon. No one ever wanted to see them together. Who was ever clamoring for, oh, a heel Austin, like a, an authority Austin? Like, no one wants to see that shit. And that's why the viewership declined and the creative kind of sucked after that. Oh, one was still a great year. And you know, the Ruthless Aggression era kind of renewed stuff again, renewed interest in the product. But it was just a bad idea creatively. Um, a tweener Austin wouldn't have been terrible, but him siding with McMahon, no one wanted to see that. And it wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, it was one of those things where it was something I didn't know I wanted until we got it. No, we got it and still no one want, fucking wanted it. It was, it was stupid. It made for a shocking ending of the show, but the aftermath was shit. And he was booked to be a strong champion, but they needed more baby faces. And the issue, The Rock, as great as The Rock is, he's always been a better heel. And the second thing with The Rock was that he was gone after that. He left to go film The Scorpion King. So they didn't really have anyone to put over in his place. They tried with Benoit. That didn't really work. They tried with Jericho. That didn't really work. Mankind was already done by that point. They didn't really have anyone to swoosh into that spot. And Triple H also was not that top baby face. So that was their biggest problem with the whole mm-hmm. Austin thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think it's a dumb decision to this day. And one they probably regret. Because it could, it could have still, they could have still transitioned out of the Attitude Era a different way. Mm-hmm. But the way it happened, I thought was just, it, it didn't work out. And, it, and I think everyone that felt on the fence about it was right to feel that way because it was always going to be a dumb idea no matter what. And I, I felt like when you go back, back to it, that WrestleMania 17 happened after they bought WCW, right? Like five days later, yeah, or a week later, yeah. So to them, they felt like, yo, this 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 attitude era is over. And I feel like the only way you close it is how you is how you started it with Austin and McMahon. So somehow if we're gonna end this attitude era, it gotta be and to usher in a new era. We close the book on Austin McMahon, but they come together and we build something new going forward. But I feel like the way they did it, again, at the time, Grant, I'm watching it live. I'm not thinking about, oh, they could have did this. They, 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 they could have done that. 
years yeah. later, I'm like, man, if you go back to it, because when you have a conversation about greatest WrestleMania matches, they put Austin and The Rock there. Like, I, 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 I would do that, too. No, I agree. But not as high, but it's up there. But it's more of the aftermath of Stone Cold aligning with McMahon. And Stone Cold hitting the rock with the chair 20 times. And it's like, okay, what do we do next? And maybe they just didn't know what to do. Because you mentioned Ben Wild. There's this Jericho. There's Hunter. Kurt Angle was involved in, in as far as the, the heels. Um, yep. the, the, the good guys for Austin. Rock was out. And I just... Maybe bad timing. I don't, I don't it, it was bad timing, yeah. I think, yeah. I think had they tried it maybe a year later, that same angle, because it's not like Austin. Austin felt creatively stifled, and he wanted to change things up. The fans did not feel that way, which it's kind of like the exact opposite nowadays with certain characters, where like Roman, I'm sure, maybe he did feel like he wanted to turn heel a couple of years ago. I have no idea. He's not going to publicly admit that. But fans were like, all right, this is fucking boring. Like, we need something new. I, again, you would know better than I would. You were watching back then. I don't think anyone was saying, yeah, maybe the McMahon-Austin feud definitely ran its course. I'm not arguing that. I'm not saying we should have got another fucking five years of that shit. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that it was time for that era to end and to move on into a different direction. I just think there was a different way to do that. And yeah, it is a good, like on paper, it's like, oh man, have this thing end by having the two biggest rivals come together. It is a good idea. The timing just wasn't right. I think they could have done this maybe a year later or a while later when Austin wasn't as hot because he was still fucking white hot. They were in his hometown of Texas too, which was also incredibly stupid to turn the guy heel in his home state. Like, come on, like how dumb can you be? People ate that shit up. They cheered Stone Cold over the rock anyway. So I don't know. I think the timing was really off. It made it for a great match. It's one of the greatest WrestleMania of all time, but retrospect being what it is, I don't think that was a good idea and it just hurt business overall. So I think that would have been better suited either at, at a better time or someone else in that spot. Again, had Austin just turned on McMahon mm-hmm. and gone down this tweener road, I think that could have been really cool. But what they did instead with like, Oh no, he's just a bad guy. That's aligned with the authority figure. He wasn't the right person for that role. And mm-hmm. it just wasn't the right time either. Right. Wrong person, wrong time. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned WrestleMania 17 as, as the GOAT of WrestleManias because oh, it is. there are people who are going to fight for, you know, WrestleMania 3, which is, I totally get, um, WrestleMania 19, people love 19, I thought 19 yep. was, was great, WrestleMania, you talk about recently, WrestleMania 30 is up there, I think when it comes down to it, 17 would just, like, every match was... Storylines, action, just the vibe, the Astrodome. It's the end of the Attitude Era. You get the main event with Stone Cold and, and The Rock. I mean, I think, uh, uh, well, you have Jim Ross and Paul Heyman on, on commentary. I mean, you can't get any better than that. And plus, you got everybody still in their prime to a degree. High profile, Taker and Flair and Hunter and all these guys in their prime at, on one show. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, after that, you start scrapping 19, 30. Between 19 and 30, I'm trying to recall what WrestleMania was pretty good between that time. That's a pretty long fucking time. I, I think, well, a couple things. I feel like wrestling fans argue on a lot. We, we disagree on a lot of stuff. Not me and you, but like just wrestling fans in general. There's a lot of fucking debate. AEW, NXT, that's probably the biggest one Absolutely. right now. Ridiculous. But I think one thing we can all agree on, 95% of us, is that WrestleMania 17 is the go. There's other ones that come close, the ones that you mentioned, but I, I don't think I've, any, I've seen anyone ever say three is the greatest of all time or 19. They say it's one of, the, one of the greatest of all time. I think everyone can agree if they've seen the show from start to finish. And you know I'm not the biggest Attitude Era guy in the world. I fucking love that show. I watched it a couple months ago around the anniversary of it, the 19-year anniversary, with people who haven't seen it before, and they loved it. And that's that that goes to show how, how great that show is. Um, from that stretch from 19 to 30, to your credit, about like which one was the best and whatever, I think the best stretch of WrestleManias, in my opinion, was probably 17 through 21. I feel like they're 21, all great WrestleManias. Seven, yeah, yeah. 17 is the greatest. 18 is not a bad show. Definitely the weakest of that bunch, but it's still a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Um, 19's a great show. Very underrated, great show. 20's a very good show. It's fucking long as shit, but it's a great show. 
Um, and 21, I think it was awesome too. 21 was really like the yeah. building of the 21 created edge, Cena, Batista, Mysterio, Orton, five guys right there created new stars and they were all great matches. Um, 21 is big. I enjoyed 22. I just don't really care for 22 as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. But I, in that stretch though, there's not a bad WrestleMania. 22 is not bad. 23 is also pretty good. 24 is a great show. 25 might've been the first WrestleMania in a long time where people were like, yeah, that was disappointing. And I know we got Stone Cold and Taker, but the overall WrestleMania just was not that good at all. Um, especially with the top two matches aside from Sean and Taker. But yeah, yeah you know, I, I enjoyed 26, 27 was shit. 29 was shit. Um, 28 with Rock and Cena, I thought was a great show. Yeah. I enjoyed that one a lot, especially for that main event. And I think 30 was the best one. So, And 24 is also amazing. I mentioned that one, but 24 is very underrated. You know, they, you had Edge and Taker, you had Cena, Triple H, and Orton, Money in the Bank, Ric Flair's retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of good matches on that show as well. But So um, you're able yeah. to watch WrestleMania 17 straight through. You, you don't skip one match, right? Or do you? When I watched it a couple months ago, I watched the whole thing. Oh. I mean... Yeah, I usually would watch the whole show because that's back when WrestleMania, I think it was a four-hour show or three hours, 45 or whatever, and it's not like seven hours. I mean, there's matches I would skip. Like when I was watching it, I contemplated skipping over Eddie and Test. Mm. I mean, who really cares? It's a decent match, but it's easily the weakest. Even the gimmick Battle Royal, as terrible as that was, was a lot of fun to see all those people back in the ring. You love Battle Royals. Oh, God, too many fucking Battle Royals. But... The gimmick battle royal I thought was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women's match was also like a minute long or some shit. But, you know, it was short and sweet and straight to the point. Not every match on the show is a five-star classic. That's not why it's the greatest WrestleMania of all time. It's the greatest WrestleMania for a variety of reasons. I wrote a whole article on this earlier this mm-hmm. year for Bleach Report. But I think a big part of it has a lot of variety. Right. You have a great main event. You have the sports entertainment bullshit with Shane and Vince, which is amazing. That should not have worked as well as it did. That match is just so much fun. You have a great wrestling match with Kurt and Benoit. You have this hardcore brawl for the hardcore championship. You just a, a Regal and Jericho in a very solid opener. You have a, a lot of different things, a lot of variety, and that's what makes it an amazing show, in addition to a very hot crowd as well. So last uh, point I'll make. So, you know, we, 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 we came on here to talk about the Austin-McMahon rivalry where it started. The anniversary of it is tomorrow, September 22nd, 1997. Um, and then you get a, a crazy four-year stretch with this rivalry. Um, for fans who have, may have never seen this rivalry, have don't know the backstory about it, especially the, the, the young audience who don't know when Stone Cold stomach man for the first time and when they got together. Um, like, just kind of describe the importance of that, that first initial night and how important uh, it was for this rivalry for the company between Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and Vince McMahon. It was huge. It's one of those storylines, one of the few, one of the elite few that I would say benefited everybody. Like, everybody. The fans loved it. Stone Cold became more of a star out of it. McMahon, we got the greatest heel of all time, don't at me, out of Vince McMahon with that feud. We had... Some amazing matches out of the feud. The company benefited from it. They went on to, you know, do their biggest business ever up to that point. It was the biggest win. I don't think I've ever seen a scenario where I think everybody benefited from it, where every character came out of it a bigger star, all the fans loved it, and the business benefited. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, if not in a long time. Um, And this was that. And the storyline defined WWE. It defined an, an entire era and it trickled down and everyone else became stars out of it. Rock became a star out of the storyline. You had Mankind kind of use McMahon as a foil there in late 98 and become over, you know, get over as a baby face out of that. Right. Triple H, his alliance with Vince, his feud with Vince early on over his daughter, Stephanie, becoming a part of his act. She was great early on as well with Triple H. One of the greatest pairings ever, I would say. Um, it just it led to a lot of success for a lot of different people. And um there's no denying how great that feud was and how great it still is to this day. You can go back and rewatch every single moment you just mentioned, every match they had, and it still holds up. Aside from maybe the 99 Rumble, I thought it was shit, but aside from that, um, go back and watch the other stuff, the Steel Cage match, that first stunner, the beer bath, everything. It, it, it all served a purpose. It was all entertaining. Mm. I wish we can get more TV like that now where you want to tune in to see what's going to happen next. There are weeks where that does happen. 
I will say that. I'm not saying the, the product now is shit. A lot of other people will. It ain't amazing. And there are weeks I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next. But literally every week back then, what's going to happen next? People tune in to see what's going to happen next. That's the basis of television. We don't have that now, which is why the ratings are in the fucking toilet. Um, the crowds aren't the same. We don't have crowds now anyway, but right. they weren't, just aren't, it's a different time. So you can't recreate that magic. But the basis of making new characters, trying something new, that was something they had never, we had never seen before in WWE. Mm-hmm. I think that's key as well. It's not like, oh, you know, Hogan wasn't feuding with Jack Tunney back in the day, so I don't know if we should have Stone Cold feud with Vince because I don't know if it's going to work. It did, they'd never done it before. They tried something new, and it was masterful. It was beautiful. So, again, I'm very well documented in saying I'm not the biggest Attitude Era fan of all time, but this feud is awesome, and I will give credit where it's due here and how big of a success that it was in WWE's history. My last point, I want you to, to rewatch the Royal Rumble from '99. Is it my homework for this I week? I want you to enjoy. It. I want you. I, I I need a full article on Bleacher Report about how <laughs> how significant the '99 Rumble was to the, the Austin McMahon rivalry. All right, can can can, can you do that? Yeah, the title <laughs> of the article might be "Why the '99 Rumble Might Be the Is the Worst of All Time." I can I can guarantee that. Oh, um, can't guarantee that I'll praise it. But I may rewatch it. We'll see. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. It's been a while. I, I have seen it from start to finish, though. I've reviewed it before. Mm-hmm. It's Gra- a shit fest. Graham Matthews, uh, always appreciated my uh, my guy uh, for doing these shows. Season one of The Basement is a wrap. We'll come back in like two, three weeks, whatever. Um, whenever I find something cool to talk about. Uh, you do also do great work, as always, for both Beecher Report and Fan Sided DDT. Uh, you can find Graham on Twitter at Russell Rant. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y. The letter J, C-R-U-Z, where you can find the podcast, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and the video version of the podcast on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. If you're a fan of the show and want to buy a t-shirt, prowrestlingtees.com slash cruise control. Graham, my man, thank you. Thank you, Randy. Happy to be part of season one. Looking forward to season two. All right, man. Take it easy.